right, the good news is the Blue Jays. Oh, man. The Blue Jays got themselves quite a left-handed bat. And we've talked about how this team needs a left-handed bat. They got a left-handed bat that could end up in the Hall of Fame. They got themselves a left-handed bat, Kevin Barker, with a career average of 307. 588 walks. 444 strikeouts. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, he's going to be the bench coach. That is Don Mattingly, hired by the Blue Jays as uh, John Schneider's bench coach. And, um, well, Mr. Barker, Don Mattingly, we talked about it. Great first baseman, great hitter, great lefty hitter. uh, Managed the Dodgers, managed the Marlins most recently. And as far as we can tell, knows absolutely nobody on the Blue Jays staff. Having said that, it's pretty clear that John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, had a role in, um, in, hiring, in hiring Don Mattingly. And I'll ask you, what do you think? Because I got my own thoughts on how coaching staffs are put together, and I'll get to that in a minute. But what's your, what was your first reaction in hearing that Don Mattingly was going to join the Blue Jays as a bench coach? Yeah, I don't know if I was over the moon excited. I mean, I was, well, that's Don Mattingly. He's going to be a coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. Donnie Baseball. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then you start looking at his stats and you, you know, start seeing for about a six, six year period there in the, in the eighties, he's, maybe the best player on planet earth like he did some things i mean he's he hit 350 one year he hit three in the 340s one year i mean he's done basically offensively in that six-year span about anything you could possibly do as an offensive player and you mentioned he's a he's a was a really good first baseman which that brings around to the point where you know that first baseman's really young for the blue jays footwork a lot of the time and just the little things of where you're playing and and i started thinking jeff your favorite conversation but there was there's no shift you know having a first baseman that was really good standing over there that would know where to start to play, like where to stand and how to get to the bag. Just little things to make Vladimir Guerrero Jr. a better defender. That that would work too. And then you start looking at that, you know, Don Mattingly, the strikeouts that he didn't have, mm-hmm. right? Just putting the ball in play, the line-to-line kind of thing. And, and coming into play, you, you start thinking of guys in the, in the Jays lineup. Matt Chapman comes to mind, right? Needs a trigger. Could he help him? And, and how will that go? Being a bench coach, can he, you know, dip his toe into helping individuals offensively? They, can you step on guys' toes just getting there? You mentioned it. Doesn't know a lot of people, right, with the coaching staff. And, and how's that whole thing going to come into play? So it's Donnie Bay. Baseball, right? That that right there just gets when he walks in a room. If you're a hitter for the Blue Jays, you're thinking, "Holy cow! Look, look who that is! That's pretty cool." And you're going to listen to what he has to say, which is a pretty cool thing. And he's going to make you a better player. But it just gets turns rack around to what we were talking about most of end of last season is, quite frankly, their players that matter the most just don't match up to the best teams in the American League, and like the Astros. So it's a good, it's a good. Talking point to have a, a bench coach like Don Mattingly, but they are still not finished, and I think we all know that. We know what they need. and But it's a, it's a good conversational piece, and he will have a lot of clout when he walks into the clubhouse. Now, this is, this is the thing about, about Don Mattingly. He uh, has managed in the majors for 12 years. He's got a record of 889 wins, 950 losses, a 483 one-loss percentage, most recently with the Miami Marlins, 69-93, and 93, very young Marlins team last year. 
managed the Marlins for seven years, got a winning percentage of 430, managed the Dodgers for five years, winning percentage of 551. And I guess two things really kind of stood out about this hiring for me. One, we do know that it's almost as if the Blue Jays headhunted him. Because, again, this isn't a guy who was with Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro in Cleveland. Uh, as far as we know, I mean, look, he's Donnie Baseball. I'm sure everybody everybody knows who he is and everybody's talked to him. But there doesn't necessarily seem to be you know, a lot of close ties. I guess the fact that guys like Simber, uh, you know, pit, pitched, uh, pitched for him, Yimmy Garcia, uh, Zach Pop, uh, these these guys would have at least would have at least pitched for him when he was with when he was with the Marlins, but you know there used to be a time where and this is how much the game has changed. It used to be the time where a manager needed a drinking buddy, right? The manager's drinking buddy was either the pitching coach or the bullpen coach, or I'm sorry, or or the bench coach. And what I mean by that when I say drinking buddy, that's a guy that the manager could go out with after a game and just and unload on. Talk about the rest of the staff. Talk about what's going on with the front office. Talk about just the guy, a sounding board, right? A guy that you can be completely honest with, knowing he has your back, knowing you're not, he's not going to come be talking to the front office. I mean, it's just, it's, you spend all that time together with, with, with guys. You have to have your guy. Mm-hmm. And it used to be a time where there were trade-offs when staffs were put together, right? It, it got to the point where general managers would say, "Look, I'll give you this guy, but you gotta you gotta give me this guy in your staff." And things have changed so much now. Uh, you've got such specialization. You're still going to have two or three other hitting coaches of the Blue Jays. We're led to believe everybody else is going to come back. Um, there's so much specialization. There's so much work that goes into preparation for a game. And as I mentioned a little earlier, it's almost now as if coaches get headhunted. And the first question I think people had when Don Mattingly was hired is, okay, John Schneider, young manager. Yes, he's got a three-year contract. He's still a young manager. Dude beside him was the 307 lifetime hitter in the majors, put together six unbelievable years. Oh, yeah, and by the way, he's managed for 12 years, including just last year. So, Don Mattingly's news conference, a lot of the questions, the direct questions and kind of the indirect questions were sort of based on, like, you know, have the Jays put John Schneider in a position where he's going to be looking over his shoulder, even though he's got that multi-year contract? Yeah, see, I I think you're overthinking it. I I think it's just an opportunity came around that you could bring in a, hopefully in my mind, a future Hall of Famer and can stand right beside a a young manager when it matters the most. He is eligible to go into the Hall of Fame this year through a committee process, by the way. He will not get, he's, his voting, you know, keeps off the ballot. Absolutely. So, yeah, but your point stands. Absolutely. So, I, I I think for me, it's when you look at how the season ended, uh, you know how John handled some certain situations that came awry in the playoffs. Maybe you need a guy that'd been there and done it before. Maybe you needed that guy that could go, "Hey, how how does this look to you? If you were hitting off this guy, should we take him out?" I'm like it's just little things that he maybe could add to to get them a little deeper in a playoff series and and just. To say that it's Donnie baseball, I, th- I think that we shouldn't overthink this thing here. It, you know, John is, for my know, 
and I do know, has his drinking buddies. Like mm-hmm. he has those guys. He has those guys on the staff that he does exactly what you mentioned. And I'm with you. I think they managers need that guy or guys. And I think John has guys that he can go to. And I don't think that's Don's job on this team. I, I, I think it's that he mentioned it in his presser that he was here to help every individual the best way he could. And, you got to love that. Like you yeah. just everybody you've talked to that's ever been around Donnie baseball. I haven't, and I can't wait to meet him, and I can't wait to talk hitting. You mentioned all the stats. How do you get those stats? And now there's no shift. How can he help this baseball team? And if they come in and add, you know, a decent left-handed hitter, how could he help that left-handed hitter be a better hitter? So I can't wait to have those conversations. I just don't think that's Donnie baseball's job. Yeah. I think it is when push comes to shove, say September, and hopefully, if you're a Blue Jays fan in October. That's when you're going to see him be, you know, the guy that everybody I think wants him to be and and somebody that John can go, hey, what do you think? I also wondered, Kevin, we talked a lot last year about how perhaps Dante Bichette was missed by some of the players in that clubhouse. And, of course, we know that Dante Bichette, uh, father of Bo Bichette, stepped down from his position as hitting coach last offseason because uh, of the lockout. He wanted to work with with Bo and, and some of the other players, so he... Um, you can't do that if you're a club employee during a lockout. So he, he stepped down from that role, from his advisor's role, to work with Bo. I, and, and, and I kind of thought at times last year, you know, Matt Bushman, Pete Walker, they kind of got the pitching thing pretty much taken care of. Sure. And I'm not saying that you need to have been a great player to be a great coach because that's just that's clearly not necessarily the case. But I used to kind of look at that staff and go, you know, yeah, Guillermo, Dave Hudgens, I'm I'm sure they're they're real good coaches, but if if I'm a young guy, an, a superstar, if I'm Bo or Vladdy, and I can talk to a guy who's got those numbers, the numbers that Don Mattingly has, I I, I would think there might be a little more. What did you go through? Like, what are you seeing? Everybody right. goes 0 for 15 in the big leagues. How did you get through? How did I've you seen, get through it? Exactly. I've seen you hit 340. I've seen you hit 350 yes. in a six-year span there. You hit over 300. You went through some 0 for 15s. How did you get over them quicker? We saw Bo, right, eliminate the, the two-strike approach. Can you have a conversation with that? It'll be interesting to see that. There, there is a lot of hitting coaches, a lot of con- different conversations. How will that go? Like that, that's the one thing for me is if you're a player, if you're a young player, you're trying to establish yourself. Now it's not the superstars. They got their guys. They're going to go to certain guys. They know what works for them. It's the other guys that come in and want to pick a guy. Who do you pick? I know it's easier. It would be easy to pick Donnie baseball, but he is the, he is the bench coach. He's not the quote unquote hitting coach so who are you going to so I think that'll be something that needs to be worked out and that's why you have spring training and I'm sure he's already had conversations it sounded like Bo was the first guy that called and said hey hey welcome to the family I can't wait to have conversations mm-hmm. with you getting a foot down and getting this thing and so there'll be some things to work out but Jeff let's not overthink this thing it's it's Don Mattingly I yeah. mean it's just the clout when he walks in the room is there well and I also think the fact that he's managed you know, those Miami Marlins teams he had some young pitchers like he's he's had to manage he's had to manage a team with young players and here he's got a team or or he's he's a coach in a team that yeah they've got the George Springers and the Matt Chapmans and the Kevin Gossmans but they've also got guys like Alec Manoa and we talked about Bo and Vladdy they've got guys who maybe there's still another step forward these guys can take and there're going to be other young guys coming up so I think that pedigree that uh, track record of having 
been involved in the development of young pitchers and young players will be will be a uh, uh, have have a big impact on the Blue Jays. Well, uh, we mentioned Don Mattingly managed the Miami Marlins for seven years, and um, I was doing some research and going back to the announcement of Don Mattingly's uh, hiring as the Marlins skipper. The uh, president of the Marlins at that time was David Sampson. And it was interesting reading comments from David Sampson talked about, and this is a quote, it sounds and hears and smells like continuity. There's less show. This is David talking about Don Mattingly, kind of a continuity, a stability, a sense that he can kind of be an anchor or he can kind of be a port in the storm for a young team. We're very pleased to be joined by David Sampson of the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. David, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. We, we trust you're doing well. Look, I know you texted me when the Don Mattingly hiring came out and you're, you're full of praise for this. T- tell us, I know Don Mattingly, the player. I don't know Don Mattingly, the, the manager that well. Tell us a little bit about him. And, and, and I'll say this, you know, it says something when a guy can be hired by one ownership group and at least stay in the job while a new ownership group comes in. Pretty amazing. I'd forgotten about that quote. So let me give you the background. When we brought in Mattingly, when I first met him and interviewed him, he had already been offered the job by Jeffrey, the owner. So it was another example of a deal that was done before I got involved. And uh, I had no preconceived notions other than I was concerned that we weren't having a true opportunity to get to know him before hiring him. And I was concerned about the Yankee connection and all the other things that sort of permeated Jeffrey's ownership of the Marlins and Expos. So the first time I sat down with Don, uh, it took about five minutes for me to question why Andrew Friedman was ready to get rid of him in L.A. And that's what happened. He was ready to move on from Donnie, and that's why he was available to us. Because the first thing I was looking for was whether or not Don Mattingly, the superstar player, could find a way to relate to players today who make more money than he did in his career who can't hold a candle to what his ability was on the field. And that is an incredibly uncommon trait, if not impossible to find, and that's what Don has. So if you ask me the number one quality he has is that he has the ability to be okay with today's players. And that sounds terrible, doesn't Jeff? But it really is true because that's a thing. Yeah, look, absolutely. I've got to think if you're a great player, one of the reasons it would be hard to coach, manage, whatever the sport is, you know, you're sitting there looking at somebody doing something going, oh, God, I can't believe, I mean, I wouldn't have done that. I mean, it's got to be in the back of your mind, right? Because you, 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 you've you have done it so done many it, but, times. Yeah, but he's also making 10 times more than you ever made. Yeah, that's true. So I was a better player a than you, and you're making more money than me. I mean, I'm, seriously, that's like, we're all human beings, right? That, that's it takes a certain person to be able to kind of overlook that. And yeah, that, you know, that, that's kind of the thing with, with a guy like Mattingly, you know, look, we, I mean, I'm sure you know this too, David, there, there are a lot of guys who are real good players when they're done, they go, look, man, I don't need to, you know, I've done the hotel thing. I've done this. I've done that. I really don't need to, like, I don't need, I don't need all this stuff. I don't need the 14 hour days or 15 hour days in spring training anymore. I just don't. And for guys to kind of come back into that, I think, and, and to take a position like this as a bench coach, you've still got to want to teach and still got to want to work, don't you? 
It's what he always loved. So in all his years managing, he managed the big market team in L.A., the small revenue team in Miami. And his thing always was, I love to be with the players. I love to talk hitting. The only thing that surprised me when he was let go by the Marlins, although they said it was a mutual part of the ways, of course, I thought that he'd go back to being a hitting coach because he's so good at that. And when he got the bench coach job with Toronto, I sort of smiled because he's going to be like a third hitting coach without stepping on any toes. He's going to be in the ear of, of John with just amazing experience, but he's also going to have one foot in the clubhouse, forging relationships with your players, making them better on and off the field, showing them how to be professional, helping them prepare every day for the grind of the season. So there's not one negative thing that I can say about Don other than how positive it's going to be for the Blue Jays. Okay, David, I, I want to be on the other side of this. And if I'm Guillermo Martinez, the hitting coach, and I, and I know that you just brought in Donnie Baseball and you just, you know, talked about him the way you just talked about his knowledge of hitting and, and how easy he is for young guys to walk up and ask about hitting. And I'm Guillermo Martinez. I'm thinking to myself, well, man, we finished in top three in everything last year. Is there something, if you're in the front office, is there a conversation with Guillermo, the other hitting coaches? You know, they're grown men, too. Like, that's a, is that going to be a thing that, that, you know, sort of Ross has to nip in the bud a little bit and go, hey, I know, I understand, but we're all in this together and we're all going in the same direction. Is that a thing or am I overthinking it? Oh, no, that's a thing with everybody except Donnie. So the thing is when you bring in an experienced bench coach and a sort of inexperienced manager – the thought is that that bench coach is waiting if there's even a hiccup and he'll take over managing the club uh, if there would be a firing. But that's not the personality that Don has. So the first thing he's doing as a member of the Blue Jays is he's going to make sure that your hitting coach, your manager, your front office, and your players know that he's not there to do anything other than improve your team. And the best part is that after he says it, not only does he mean it, but he's going to show it during the course of spring training and during the course of the beginning of the season because players aren't stupid. They know when there's somebody in uniform who's making a play or has an angle to do a job they don't have or is trying to sort of go around the current staff up to the GM to make themselves look better when there's a change. And Donnie does not do that kind of stuff at all. How is he, David, in terms of the analytic aspect of baseball and marrying you know sort of the reality of analytics with the reality of experience that's a great one so i would say that anybody that age uh didn't grow up with this is used to managing and being a hitting coach and hitting without it he loves the information that's available to him but if you had to ask me would he trust the information on the paper over what he sees with his eye I would say no. I would say that he confirms what he sees with his eye, with what he sees on paper. And if there's something on paper that's different than what he sees with his eye, he's going to have an open mind into thinking whether he may be seeing it wrong. So I think he's got the best of both worlds because I think that anyone who is all analytic or all eye is not going to be successful. You need a combination, and he's really good at having that combination. David, I think every fan of the Blue Jays would be watching end of the season, how it ended, how John handled the pitching staff. I think the question that a lot of fans would have is, how's Donnie with when it comes to September, October of handling that big move? You've seen him closer than me and Jeff have seen him. Big moments, how is he? 
also, he's got a very even heartbeat. And that's something cool about him, having been a player and having been in the Bronx Zoo, right, with the Yankees. He doesn't get too up or too down. He understands the grind of a long season. And he can take a good team and make them great. He just was not able to take a crappy team and make them good. But I'm not sure of any manager who can. But if you're asking whether he's going to be helpful as, as September comes and in October, the answer is yes, because he has this calmness about him where he can help players rise to the moment without them getting in their own way. David, I want to move on a little bit and ask you about the winter meetings, which are uh, coming up very soon in San Diego. There is obviously a lot of speculation, a lot of um, anticipation that perhaps Aaron Judge gets his contract with somebody and that it'll be announced at the winter meetings. Look, I, I I remember going to winter meetings where... It was dominated by general managers. Then the winter meetings kind of morphed into a showcase, almost like a used car room for agents and players. And, you know, Major League Baseball would pay for the hotel. They'd pay for everything. And here would come Scott Boris with, you know, three other people and a player who he just signed a, got a six-year contract for $500 million for or whatever. And basically making this announcement at Major League Baseball's own function. When did that change? Because I get the impression that the winter meetings, at some point the owners decided, the hell with this, we're going to take this back. And I know, I mean, I remember at one point when, you know, I'm sure you remember too, Brian Cashman never went to the winter meetings. George Steiner, Steinbrenner wouldn't let him go. Uh, when did that start to change? And was that, a, was that a, a deliberate move by ownership to, you know, to kind of say that, hey, I mean, this is our gig too, right? Well, you know, the backstory of that is it's the minor, it really is the minor league meetings. The winter meetings were made for minor leagues, and that's a big focus of it. But the reason why major league general managers would go is that before the cell phone, uh, this was their best chance before FaceTime. This was their best chance to really talk, and to, that's when deals would get done. And you'd go to different suites and meet with different teams and say hello to people you just haven't seen in so long. And that's just not the case anymore. So the winter meetings go on every day, right? Because you're talking to GMs all the time in a way you never used to. And I don't view it as a place where deals get done anymore. I don't view it as a place where where meetings happen and you set – people always write the seeds are being planted for future trades that stuff goes on 365 days a year. There's nothing special about the winter meetings. It's just actually a huge expense. As a matter of fact, Jeff, we had not quite 23, which is what you need to change the rules. We had over 15 owners who would have just eliminated the winter meetings altogether. Huh. Just get rid of the expense because it was just so ridiculous how many people from each organization went and the hotel and everything else. But it's something that baseball really didn't want to do because they viewed it as a way to capture headlines for a period of time during the offseason. David, what are the big shortstops? Who goes first and where does he go in your mind? You know, it matters who, who's going to get overpaid. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's really going to be the first string. I'm sort of focused on Bogarts because is he really going to get more than Seager, which is what he wants and is he a better player than Seager? Maybe. Does, he, does that mean he deserves more? No, because Seager got so far overpaid. So it'll be interesting to see what owners do. But remember, they're feeling rich right now. They just got an extra $30 million each for the selling of the remaining piece of that Dis- of Bamtech to Disney. 
in a deal that was not really talked about much, but MLB got $900 million for a 15% piece of a business. So owners get that money, which is $30 million each. So, hey, that's like a player for a year. So that makes owners feel good about signing. So we'll see what happens. But Aaron Judge and that signing will be pretty indicative of where the offseason is going to go. David, when ML Bam came into, uh, you know, came, was born, did, did baseball think it was going to turn into this, this, this much of a cash cow? Well, oh like, was God. it that no, obvious? <laughs> no, I was at the first meeting when it started. It was one of my first meetings in 2000. And Bob Bowman gets up and explains what, what he's doing. And everybody looked at him like, I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, what do you mean streaming? What does that mean? And then all of a sudden it started making money. And little known fact is that what's making the most money for MLB, what was before they sold it to Disney, was this thing called BAMTech, where baseball was doing, it owned a company that did all the backroom technology to run all these streaming sites. And it became a huge, huge business that Disney eventually purchased uh, 85%, and now they purchased the last 15%. But remember, you've got octogenarian guys in a room who's streaming. They can't figure out how to use their cell phone. <laughs> so uh, they certainly were not aware of the asset that was built for them. And it, you know, it's a huge asset and would have been even bigger if they still owned it. David, really good of you to join us, my friend. Thanks so much. Be well. Thanks hey, have a, lot. a great day. Thank you. David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal, the podcast with David Sampson. Interesting insight into Don Mattingly uh, from someone who, well, someone who worked very closely with Don Mattingly as as a manager. Um, Kevin, I well, I just I, I just when I was listening to David talk there about how he's going to attack or attacks probably the wrong word, go about <clears throat> not stepping on toes and understanding that the offense for the Blue Jays last year was really good. Like it, it was borderline great. I mean, obviously we know they have some holes and they had some ups and downs and they have some, had some guys who took a little bit of a step back. But man, their offense was really good. How is he going to fit in there? How is he not going to get in the is it getting the way a wrong way to say it? Because if I'm Guillermo Martinez or I'm somebody else who has had a good season, right? Said some things that obviously worked. Now I know it's Donnie Baseball, and he, you know, he's done some things offensively which Guillermo Martinez has not at the big league level. But man, it's like how do you go about just keeping you know where you're not sitting on one side of the plane and he's sitting on the other side and you can't even see each other because it could happen. Yeah, and I, and I think Kevin that you know I, I'm interested in your take on this specifically because I know you had hell you had Rod Carew as a hitting coach. Yeah, I, mean, you, I did. You've had Hall of Famers as a hitting coach. You've had really, really, really good players as hitting coaches, and it didn't always work out, did it? Well, you know, sometimes what works for them and makes them a Hall of Famer doesn't work for everybody else. And that was one of those things with, with Rod Carew where it's just, you know, the, the letting the ball travel and fillet a ball over the third baseman's head. It's not going to work for me. And again, that, that's sort of right. It's, we talked about this last year. There's so much information. We talked about Vladdy with the T, the low T. Why would you do that? You know, you have a weakness. Everybody does. Mike Trout has a weakness. It's the elevated heater. He doesn't always try to hit it. He'll hit it sometimes when he has to hit it. Why are you going in a cage? working on it perfect what you do well or borderline great that's sort of i think is what sounds to me like i again i have never met donnie baseball and i can't wait to do that but it sounds like that's his strength is you know you let the player talk and then you just sort of fill in the blanks and if they liked what you filled in you could take it and run with it and again it's just i 
I will say this. Whenever I was around some guys that knew how to hit and had success, that got them the conversation started. Like they could walk up and say anything, and you're like, holy moly, look at who that is. And then once you start getting involved with them, you go to the cage with them, and if it starts working for you, then you have the, a longer conversation. So is there too many? That for me is the question. Right, there's so many khakis and so many different ways to hit a baseball. One bottom line is, is you're trying to hit a round thing with a round thing. And is there too many? Now all of a sudden, Jeff, there's four. Is that too many for a Blue Jays staff? I don't know, and I, I guess only time will tell. So there you go. Don Mattingly is the new bench coach of the Toronto Blue Jays. As we mentioned, the winter meetings will begin in San Diego next week. We will have coverage from San Diego for you. We'll have another podcast for you. And, of course, for any breaking news regarding the Blue Jays, Blair and Barker will be your podcast destination. Mr. Barker, I'm looking forward to some action from the Blue Jays at the winter meetings. Let's get this going. Can't wait. Let's go. For all of us here at Blair and Barker, I'm Jeff Blair. Thanks for joining us again. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts.